Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Okay, so hi, I'm Darren. I'm a Mac. I stole it. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I had to do it fast because I knew it was coming. You did. You did. Yeah. This is probably going to be really fun or really bad, but um, we're, we're, so we're in the middle of a series called Ephesians, and we're going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. If you need a Bible, grab it. We're going to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to the end of the chapter. Um, we started this a couple of months ago, and we took a break for Christmas, but two, three weeks ago I jumped in. Yeah, if you need a Bible, these guys are going to throw around green Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, this is a Bible for you. You can take this with you. It's our gift to you. Um, so we started this a few months ago, and three weeks ago we, we started part two of our series. There's two parts. The book of Ephesians is broken up into two parts. Part one, uh, chapters <laughs> one through three. I'll wait for you guys to be finished. It's cool. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you, Megan. Part one, uh, chapters one through three, and it's uh, what God has done for us. Paul ex- it, it, um, almost just goes off for three chapters about who we are in Christ. And then part two of the book is chapters four through six. And it's what we do now that God has done all of this. He, Paul calls us to live a certain way. So in view of everything that God has done for us, ch- uh, chapter four transitions to now this is how we ought to live in view of who we are. Be with me. And so we started uh, chapter 4 recognizing that the, the verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4 transitions the whole book and says, in view of all of, this, all of this, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And so Paul will now go on to talk about how we are to live in community and in Christ. Um, so that's where we pick up in Ephesians chapter 4. Do you want to add anything? The core piece here that Darren's underlining, and by the way, I just want to underline that I've been a Mac since 1987. I was born in 1984. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So, that being said, um, (laughs) just. uh, (laughs) I like your notes. These are really cool. This is going to represent. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the key that, that uh, Darren uh, was, was making is that the identity piece is, is crucial. And we've tried to make the point that everything that flows out of that, especially now as Paul turns the corner and in the last three chapters of Ephesians says, now this is what it means. If we go to that first without the identity piece, we'll end up with legalism. We'll end up with rules. We'll end up with, with uh, coming at the thing backwards. So we want to come at it from the front end that says, this is who you are in Christ. This is how God sees you. Precious, beloved, chosen, etc. All of those things that are critical to identity. And now as a result of that, this is how you get to live in new ways. You don't have to do what you want to do, but that is killing you in the wanting to do it. Does that make sense? So it gives us the the, the framework for saying, all right, because here's the charge that Paul is dealing with, not just in Ephesus, but throughout the place where his gospel, his message is being preached. Doesn't the gospel of grace just make for wild and crazy times? Mm. Yeah. If God is going to be gracious and forgiving, quote, let's sin so that grace abounds, right? And Paul is just saying, time out, guys. You clearly don't get what grace is about 
And you really don't get fundamentally what sin is about either. If, if sin is just some rules that God has got, that he arbitrarily establishes, that's one thing. But if sin is that impulse to self-destruction that you have, that's a whole other ballgame. It's not just that sin separates us from God. It's that sin separates us from ourselves. Good. It peels us away from our core identity that's why we want to start with who we are in Christ. Now, we can start to deal aggressively with the things that are suicidal in us. Does that make sense? So, it's, so, so when he gets into this, and, and, and um, I don't know if you want to start us off here in, in verse 17, but he, he, he wants to say, okay, now that our identity is settled, now how do we live? Now that we have gifts given to the church, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, etc., whose goal is to enable us to learn how to minister by teaching us to grow up into Christ-likeness. What, is, what does that look like? And then this is when now he starts to get into the behavioral things that flow from identity. It's critical. Identity first, then behavior. You don't become holy by doing these things. You are holy. Now, here's how life Works. So the yeah. il- illustration I've used just to catch everyone up if you're new is I've talked about this before. In uh, I got married when I was 22 years old and actually Bill was the one that officiated the wedding. So I stood before Bill and my, my future wife in a crowd like you guys and, and he pronounced me husband. Now I had learned for 22 years how to live my life and all of a sudden I was given a whole new set of responsibilities. I had no idea how to be a husband, but that became who I was. That became my identity. And so when, when Alex and I began to learn how to be one, and that was usually met like this, um, for example, there were things that she preferred that I didn't prefer, like cleaning the house, um, making the bed, um, cook, eating healthy food, and, and putting the toilet paper on the right way. I've used this illustration plenty. And as, as uh, I began to learn how to operate out of this new identity, basically putting off my singleness and putting on my marriage-ness, if that's a word, um, I wasn't doing things like making the bed, um, putting the toilet paper on, taking showers. I wasn't doing that to earn... Okay, I surfed, and this is the point, and for those of you that surf, you don't need to shower if you surf, you're already in the water, it's great. But I don't do those things to earn or prove that I'm a husband. I already am a husband, and I operate out of that identity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. Do you want so to this is why he then goes on, if you want to follow us along, we're now starting in verse 17. So then, he says, I tell you this, and listen to this language, I insist on it in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. I'm going to read the whole paragraph, then we'll come back and talk about it, okay? That you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. They are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They have lost all sensitivity They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And literally, the Greek says, with greed. So greed is desiring more and more and more impurity. You see what we're talking about? That, however, is not the way that you have learned 
price. So we'll come back to that one in a minute. Let's go back to 17, uh, if you would, please. Thank you. So he says, I insist on this in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. I don't know if you remember uh, when we were, it was before Christmas we were talking about this. In chapter 2, Paul makes a distinction, or, or rather invites people who are, have previously understood themselves to be Jews and people who have previously understood themselves to be Gentiles to begin to think of themselves now as the new body of Christ, the new family of God, to be joined together in unity, right? So when he uses Gentiles here, he is not using it in the same way that he did there. This isn't about Gentile as opposed to Jew. He's using it in a broader sense, meaning you are the body of Christ. Don't live as if you weren't. Don't live according to your previous identity. So it's just a snapshot for him to say you're part of the body of Christ. You are bought with a price. You, this identity is locked and loaded, right? Now, don't live. I insist that you not live as you used to live. Why? Well, because these folks, like you, used to live, are living in the futility of their thinking. Notice what he's saying there. Do you want to uh, jump on that one? Yeah, do you want me to move? Are you going to yeah, say, go okay, ahead. So, no, so the futility, good. so it, I, I, what you read when you describe the, the way the Gentiles live, it's this progression of things getting worse. Yeah. So it starts with this pointless thinking, and then it moves to ignorance. And the ignorance comes from the hardening of heart. And the word hardening is where we get the word uh, petrified, the Greek word. So it's where we get the word petrified. And it's also used to describe what happens when a bone is broken, or you reset the bone, and it becomes callous. And the callus becomes harder than the bone itself. And so we see this progression going from ignorance of, of just living life with, uh, with pointless thoughts. And mo- it moves to a place where your heart becomes hardened to the things of God. I think it goes the other way around. Go ahead. I knew this was going to happen. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Look at, look, go ahead and put the next verse up. He's older. I'll give him that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at, look at what it says. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them. Why is the ignorance in them? They've hardened their hearts. So where does it start? Does it start with futile thinking? Does it start with the ignorance? Wow. wow. Where does it start? Wow. Wow. <laughs> hey, if you see, want to land on ignorance, no, 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 that's on, really your choice. Let me just explain. I wasn't I'm, saying I'm just, it starts there. I'm just saying. It's fine. Hey, I, I just landed from London last night, <laughs> and so I'm a little jet lagged. So I'll give Bill this one this yeah, time. Yeah, this one. Now, and, and, and Respect here. thy elders or whatever it is. Go ahead. <laughs> but do you see what the difference that makes it? Yeah, that's good, Bill. You don't good. start off with misinformation. You start off with somebody saying, you know what you're doing is self-destructive? And you say... The hell with you. I'm not going to listen to you. Can I push back on just this? Because yep. this is fun. Because I think it starts with idolatry. Yeah. And uh, I, think yeah starts, right. I think that starts, I think that starts with this perpetuating being thing. separated, you're separated from God, so you're in idolatry. And I think yep. that leads to a hardening of heart. There you go. Okay, you can have that one. Don't encourage him. Don't encourage him. It'll keep on going. Uh, okay, go ahead. But just, see, the, that's see, the point Romans is, said. if you want to do something, you're going to find a reason to do it. It's good. 
right? That's, oh, that's good. And, and whether it's idolatry and the worship of the gods of the age. Remember, we're in Ephesus here. Mm. This is probably second to Corinth, the most sexualized, sensualized city in the entire ancient Near East. They had temples devoted to sexual license as part of the worship of their deity. I need you to sit with that for just a second. Don't let your mind go too far. You got it? So when somebody like Paul comes in and says, no, the implications of the gospel are, you've got to cut this out. This is damaging, destroying your marriages. Hmm. It's damaging, destroying your children. It is damaging and destroying your culture. Your whole way of being is being damaged. You've got to stop it. What enables us to continue to go on? Our hearts are hardened. I don't want to hear that, Paul. I, I still haven't paid the price. I think I'm going to be the exception. I don't think it's going to hit me and my family and my kids the way it's hit so and so and so forth. You see, if I want to do something, I'm going to find a reason to do it. So, hardness of heart, ignorance, and then what? I walk in ignorance that results in futile thinking. If you want to, by the way, another way to think about this, look at Psalm chapter 1, where it says there's a guy that is blessed. And that's not the guy that takes the advice of people who are lost. But if he takes the advice of people who are lost, sooner or later he's going to find himself standing in the middle of the road, wondering which direction he was going in the first place. And it will not be long, standing in the middle of the road, that he just finds himself sitting around with people who have nothing better to do but ridicule and shame those who are on the right path. It's a progression. It begins, I think, exactly right with idolatry. You end up worshiping the wrong thing. You move to a hardening of heart because I don't want to hear what you're saying to me. You move to chosen ignorance. Yeah. And then you move and your brain now starts to work against you rather than for you because you're quick to rationalize any and all behavior that you want. And where does it go? Idolatry with greed, he says. So uh, maybe let's just play that out and then we're going to speed through because we want to get through the rest of the text, right? Too? No, this is oh, too much fun. Okay. But, um, so think about worshiping something other than God, like worshiping your feelings. Mm. So you, you put God, uh, you, re, you remove God from where he's over your life, and you say, well, I want to do what feels good. Yep. So, uh, for example, um, uh, pornography, lust, uh, this desire to feel something that is natural and good and designed for marriage, but you want to feel that regularly. So you put your feelings in front of God and then all of a sudden you become, um, you, you, and forgive me if there are little ones, um, are there little ones in this room? Um, I'll try to tame it, but you begin to feed that pleasure, right? You get online and you do the things that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. And it says you lose sensitivity. So where there was a morality, where God's saying, this is not the best thing for you. This yeah. is not what you've been designed for. You replace that voice with this voice of, I want to do what feels good. Yeah. 
And then that becomes a loss of sensitivity. And, and sensitivity is the next verse in 17. The progression says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. Sensitivity comes from two Greek words. It's to feel pain and lacking or going without. And so you could translate it that they've, having lost the ability to feel things like they used to. They move to sensuality, and sensuality is the absence of restraint and the desire for pleasure. So you just fill yourself with whatever feels good, and this is where it leads. And to eventually, it continues on, and, and, um, and it says, so to indulge in every kind of impurity, they are full of greed. And the idea is that we become addicted to the very things we're seeking. Lust um, becomes an addiction mm-hmm. where we no longer have power over our feelings. We no, we, we're no longer able to feel these things. We become addicted to the experience or the, the thing that we're craving. Like yeah. al- alcoholics are no longer craving a taste of a good vintage they're trying to numb the emptiness that they have become yeah. in certain aspects of their life. Would you agree? Like yeah, you lose your ability like to appreciate. It's trying to slake your thirst with salt water. That's good. Right? Yeah. It, it works, but catch 22. And yeah. then he goes on and says, guys, you didn't learn Christ this way. Hmm. This isn't how the disciple of Jesus, the one who was solid and anchored in his identity in Christ, you didn't learn Christ this way. Surely... He says, you heard of him. You were taught him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught in regard to your former way of life. What? Put it off. Put off the old self. It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So in a snapshot, that's, he summarized that first paragraph, right? Uh, corrupted by its deceitful desires. And put it off to be made new. Where? In the attitude of your minds. We don't want you simply to conform external behavior. That's as damaging as negative external behavior to which we conform ourselves. Real transformation needs to begin from the center. Change your minds. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, same language, right? Change your minds. And from the inside out, what will happen? You begin to put on a new self. For what purpose? Look at what he says. You are created to be what? Like God. Notice how many times in Ephesians he keeps coming back to this idea of the fullness of God. This is what Genesis chapter 1, we were created to be in the first place. The image of God. You will. How do you get there? This way. You put off the old. You change your mind. And then from the inside out, begin to put on righteousness and holiness like God. God. This becomes critical for our mission in the world, which we'll talk about um, in a second. You want to jump on the, the ideas there, or do you want to keep going? Uh, the next part? We could do that. or no, no, I, I, Let me just finish yeah, up this playing. then, and then yeah, we'll okay. come back, back into this. Um, it, the, the, this idea of putting on this new self in, in righteousness and holiness, please notice, Paul is not going to be content if we just stop sinning. That just gets us to zero. We're not intended to have a null presence in the world. Mm. We tend to have a redemptive presence in the world. That doesn't happen if we just stay home and don't sin. It happens when we become righteous 
and then stand on the platform of our holiness, not to shame people, not to condemn people, but so that we have a solid platform in difference so that we can help them stand. Good. Help them get rescued. That's, That's what he's after. Yeah. Holiness is not about specialness. Holiness is always about function. Hmm. It's always about doing now that this has been given you. So righteousness and holiness are always functional. It is an assertive presence of righteousness taking back the world from the darkness that has overwhelmed it. So you would say, I've heard you talk about this holiness. It's Maybe I, I'm misquoting you, but holiness empowers our helpfulness with yeah, God. Yeah, that's it. Right? So, that's it. Um, and I think one thing I want to talk about, too, is this is a great – this passage for me is where I would, I would tie this into spiritual formation yes. or discipleship. Exactly. You want to know how to become more like Christ. Well, here's a pattern. You could say um, that at the center is that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? So imagine a triangle. At the center, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're obviously in community. This does not happen by yourselves. Um, and in fact, you know what's funny? I have a friend who is, is dealing with an alcohol addiction. And he told me one time, what's, the hardest thing about alcohol is not the alcohol issue. It's isolation. It's what happens when I drink alcohol. It separates me from community. And that has caused him to relapse into um, the sin or into his addiction, being um, isolated. So obviously we're, we're in community. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we do this. There's spiritual disciplines where we, we are taking off the old self. We don't, we, we, we got to learn how to deal with our anger and we got to learn how to be patient. That's not going to happen naturally. We form ourselves by disciplines. Or, for example, if we're lusting, we're, we're going to deal with our computer stuff. We're not going to get on our computer. We're going to uh, replace uh, bad behavior with good. That's the, the physical side that we can all participate. Do you understand that part? And then there's this uh, being renewed in the mind by the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit comes to do. He, he comes to renew our minds. Now, my personal struggle has always been with identity. Mm-hmm. And dealing with body image issues, um, self-worth. Uh, I was suicidal in high school because I, I, I thought the guy in the mirror was so ugly and disgusting. So I dealt with this issue. And so how, does that just go away when I become a Christian? Absolutely not. It's a struggle that continues to... It's something that has died on the cross because that's no longer defining who I am, that identity. Yeah. But it's something that I have to continue to crucify. So how do I do that? Well, I allow Jesus to reshape my mind and how I see. So I come to the mirror and I say, this, you're beloved. Yeah. You're good for no good reason. Yeah. Because he loves you. That's it. I, have to, I take my thoughts captive and submit them to what Jesus says. Yeah. That's renewing your mind. Now, let me just add this. You, you go into environments and that will create a worldview, a mindset. If you watch, if you hang out um, with people that cuss regularly, what happens? You probably begin to cuss regularly. I mean, that's just an obvious one. If you watch movies like that are depressing, or listen, okay, I'll just speak for myself. If I listen to Dashboard Confessional, <laughs> last night I was listening to it on the ride from LAX. Like, what? <laughs> this is so depressing. You just, how many of you are influenced by those things? Or for me, hip hop music. And, and rap, it's just, it can just pull you up. Every time I'm just listening to rap before I preach, it just gets me fired up. <laughs> just, no, but so you, it, you allow false narratives to be replaced with true narratives. Your mind is renewed. And lastly, is you become shaped by, um, by the Holy Spirit into your new self and you put on these new But characters. notice, if we'd started there, what would we be hearing? Straighten up, fly right. Yep. But because we have to start with identity, we have to start with community, 
Now this is empowered by the Spirit. You don't have to do this to be filled with the Spirit. It's because you are filled with the Spirit that these things begin to flow naturally. Mm -hmm. What things? Well, he says, verse 25, stop lying to one another. Any questions? Anybody unclear on that one? Right? That's good. So, and it's not just about lying. It's stop t- speaking falsehood. We, we massage and we manipulate. We spin our, our impressions. We are anxious about what people think of us. And Paul just says, just show up and be present. Mm, good. Live the truth. Speak the truth to one another. We've talked about this idea of speaking here for Paul's language. It's not just about the words. It's about the conversation of one's life. The words that are spoken when you're not speaking. Live with integrity, he's saying. What? Now, please notice, this all ties right back to community. Yeah. Ties right back to community. Why? Chapter 4, beginning of the thing, Darren talked on this. Unity, unity, unity. This is what the Spirit is producing. Why? Because you desperately need Him in order to live out the life of Christ with integrity. So, speak the truth. Why? Because we're members, verse 25, of one body. Then, verse 26, go ahead and be angry. Anger is a beautiful gift from God. It signals there's a boundary violation that has occurred. It is intended, like pain to the physical body, to indicate we're under attack. Something's wrong here. Now, how many of you need that mechanism calibrated a bit? Just three or four of us? Yeah. Right? Because I, I let the guy on the 405 freeway ruin my day. Or a cold latte. Just so... Oh. <laughs> right? But do, do you see what I'm saying? So we need to learn how to be angry. How did you handle me in class? I, I don't no know. Idea. I mean, it, just... It, it, uh, go just ahead, you're doing good. Patience just... for the immature. I'm just saying. <laughs> Remember that character in uh, Wizard of Oz, If I Only Had a Brain? No, I mean, everybody okay, prefrontal lobe isn't formed finally until you're 24. Yeah. I'm 28. (laughs) Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. It's cool. But what does it say about only building each other up? Just speaking the truth. Okay, I'll I'll do that part. You keep going. But look, see what he says, though. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Cain's sin was not his anger at rejection, is what he did with it afterwards. Yeah. You see? Let, he says, here, here's, here's, here's a strategy, and some people have misunderstood this. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. What he's saying is, get angry, but don't be angry. Anger is intended to be the red light in the dashboard that says something's out of control here. Hmm. Deal with it. Don't duct tape over it and then nurture it. That's what he's after here. So it's not a, not a strategy. We've got to stay up until we tough through this. No, 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 no. That'll ruin your marriage. Because one of you will be a quick verbal processor who thinks circles around the other one. And the other of you will be, I need two or three days to even know what I think about something. So he's not giving you a strategy. He's just saying, don't cultivate it. Don't hang on to it. Let it go. Deal with the issue, but let go of the anger. That's good. Do, do, do you see? And then he goes on. 
When you don't do that, you give the devil a foothold. You give the adversary a way into your relationships. How many of you know that in a community of this kind, you will be angry at somebody sooner or later? They will be disappointing to you. They will frustrate you. They will... Uh, no, I was just You were pointing, weren't point. you? I had a point. You were. You really were. You went there. I did, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm the comic relief today. That's totally cool. Yeah. But do you see what he's after? That's good. What do you do when you're angry with somebody? Well, you deal with it. Mm. You don't what? Look at what he says. No, that's down there later on. Yeah, you want it, to talk it, about that? But that's then, 31. Yeah, let's go to 28, though. Yeah. It says, and, and yeah, it, yeah. anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, they, that they may have something to share with those in need. You want to talk about this? I find this is interesting because look at what he does. Stealing is the ultimate expression of greed, of selfishness. And it says the, the way the Gentiles think is with, it, it leads to greed and, and stealing is, is, um, is taking from others. And I, I find it interesting that what Paul says is he replaces uh, with saying, get a job. Do something useful with your, with your hands. If you're in a community and you're the one taking all the time and receiving, well, don't do that anymore. Go get a job and, and then do, replace that behavior of stealing with good behavior, right? Which we can, we, this ties all, this ties into all sorts of sin. Of replacing yeah, the yeah. old behavior with good behavior. And then it's the ultimate expression of generosity. So you replace the ultimate expression of greed and selfishness with the ultimate expression in community of working to give something selflessly to others. And I think that's, that's actually really helpful for us as we think about what are the things that I deal with. Um, you know, like I keep coming back to lust because this has a lot to do with lust. But if you, you struggle with things with your hands, do something, re, do something good with them. If they're bad, do something good with those things. Yeah. If, if you're distracted and anxious and uh, exhausted all the time, replace those behaviors that cause that. And, uh, and forgive me, I think this is so helpful, but like uh, being online all the time, checking your email every five seconds, taking a picture of your kids every time they do something cool. I love them. You can keep posting them because I... I do look at it. I love that. But, but if <laughs> you are stressed... Would this have to do with Instagramming in the middle of things? What are you saying? I'm, I'm just saying there seems to be a, a lot of things that come out with the I, hashtag. I was, I was just tempted by the devil to Instagram you right now. <laughs> um, but then replace it with good behavior. So how to, how to learn rest and all of those things. And so that's... Yeah. You go from stealing. Go to the next one if you it's, want. It's this whole culture, right? Yeah. Of distraction. And yeah. Paul says, push back against it. Because the stealing is an issue. But it's not just about money. Yeah. It's about time. It's about resources. It's how we take things from, from one another. And how do we do that? Verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What does unwholesome talk, what does that mean? I don't need to define that. Because mm. here's how he says we're not interested in just stopping things. We're interested in moving towards something else. So... You're not going to have to worry about unwholesome talk if, verse 29, you speak only what is helpful for building each other up according to their needs and benefiting those who listen. I don't have to worry about self-editing if I'm choosing. This is the point Darren was making. If we stop doing the harmful things, that doesn't automatically produce righteousness. Mm. On the other hand, if we start doing the righteous things, that automatically mm eliminates the, the time that we have for these other things. So yeah. I don't have to worry about unwholesome words if the words I speak are encouraging and uplifting. This, anybody else challenged by this? Uh, 
So good. This is really, really hard because I'm a cynic by nature. Yeah. I'm skeptical. I'm sarcastic. Amen. 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 Yes. <laughs> so it's easy for me to find things that are wrong, pick at them with precision. I love this, Bill. I think this is so good for yeah. our community. I mean, think about the worst thing that happens in a community is gossip. Yep. Where you slander someone else's character. And it really comes off as innocent. Did you hear about? And if it's not yep. building a better character of that person, then you shouldn't share it. And in our church community, this happens all over the place. It does. This yep. will become the sin of community. I mean, this is the divisive yep. sin. Yep. And it, how amazing would it be if, for us, we will only say things that build each other up. Like, Bill, you're, you are the preacher of the year, 2012. I know. You know? I know. But I, I think that's, it's really helpful. I think for, for a culture that uses words in pointless ways, let's use it for intentionality for others being built yeah. up. But notice what happens if we do that, or if we don't do that. Verse 30, mm-hmm. we grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? What's the Holy Spirit working on producing? Chapter 4 tells us the Spirit is the one who produces unity. Yeah. So when we use unwholesome language when we use language that tears one another down we are working against what the holy spirit is working towards mm-hmm. not a good position to be in we are grieving the holy spirit mm-hmm. with whom we are sealed for the day of redemption so what's the strategy get rid of bitterness rage anger brawling slander, every form of malice. Get rid of it. Replace it with kindness, compassion, forgiveness, as Christ, as in Christ God has forgiven us. So it's a a reframing built on the core identity. This is who we are. Renewed in mind. And now we begin to work this out. And then next week it'll get even more focused on some of the behavioral issues that are damaging, destroying the community. I love um, this idea of forgiveness. One author says forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom. Yeah, that's good. Forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom. It allows us um, to have traction with each other. That Mm -hmm. we actually can enter into relationships and take risks even when we do something wrong, it doesn't, it doesn't sideline us. We, we quickly learn how to reconcile yeah. and restore relationships with forgiveness. When you do something wrong, you ask for forgiveness. When you wrong someone, um, you ask for forgiveness and you extend that to others. Bonhoeffer says that, um, that uh, Bonhoeffer states that the, the world wants direct relationship. They want to control, they want to have ownership, and they want to possess people. But in the kingdom, yeah. we give all that up and we, we, we sacrifice for each other. Yeah. It's, it, it, forgiveness has gotten work so much into my soul lately. I've started to, I've rewritten my, the marriage vows that I lead people through. Really? Uh, to include forgiveness as a commitment that I'm, I'm willing to make. Because I'm convinced that you cannot live married or unmarried with other persons without forgiveness being the found framework. You, if, if you've got fraud, flawed human beings, yeah. forgiveness is the only way forward 90% of the time. I have to have an attitude, a spirit of the willingness to release people from the pain they've caused me. Wow. Sometime down the line, I think That's we'll good. probably do some conversations on forgiveness. Because it's hard work. 
Tease you that, can't tease do that it out. Quick. That's amazing. Huh? Just go yeah, on a okay. little bit. So, so is everybody okay? You can hang in there. You guys got such comfortable seats today. You I already care. noticed that. You're already thinking, oh, where, where's the usher? I'd like a latte. Yeah. Um, but but uh, it, the, 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 <laughs> the, the forgiveness is releasing the person who hurt me from the pain they caused me. The pain is mine. There's nothing I can do about that except own it and let it work its magic in me. I am made better by the ways that I deal with the pain in my life, including the pain that other people have inflicted on me. I want to be taught by Jesus how to handle my pain. But I can't do that as long as I still want the other person to pay. So I release them to Jesus. He's their business. They're, they're his business, rather. I release myself. It's not my business now to exact revenge or to make them pay or to punish them. And here's Because forgiveness almost has nothing whatever to do with the person who hurt you. Yeah. It has to do with freeing you. Yeah. To walk in, 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 in newness. Now, does that mean automatic restoration of relationship? It does not. Yeah. If, 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 if it, it, it does not say, I need to keep walking into the buzzsaw. It says, I am releasing the buzzsaw from the damage he or she did to me. Whether it's a parent long dead, right? Or a friendship, or somebody else in relationship, whatever. I'm releasing them. They're God's business. I'm going to mind my own business. Mm -hmm. So that once I have reestablished wholeness, I can choose whether to be in relationship with them or, or again or not. We do have the choice, mm -hmm. right? If we're married to them, which happens, now I have a deliberate um, decision to make on a regular basis to walk in forgiveness with the person, right, that I'm with. If it's a parent, I may not have to make that choice. I may need, this is very hard for us. I wish we had more time. This we'll is, unpack yeah. it at another time. But I may need to say, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. But the damage from family systems, I can't, I can't be part of this for the next season. My, my soul is in a cast. I'm not mm. going to keep putting weight on it until it gets healthy enough to be able to stand without being crushed yeah. by the weight. Do you, do you see where, where I'm going with this? So in a community here, forgiveness means I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me. We're going to do things wrong. We're going to, it's mm -hmm. messy. It's chaotic. It's, it's, it's nowhere near the glorious kingdom that we all long for. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like this isn't a perfect church. Because you all, we all, are not perfect people. So forgiveness has got to be the realm of the kingdom. Mm. It's got to be the currency of the kingdom. Mm. And this is what I think Paul is saying here. Um, and that's part of what it means to be kind and compassionate to one another. Right? Yeah, I think that's really good. I think you hit something. I just want to share this. I think that there are a lot of us here that can just say there are people within this room that we need to forgive. Yeah. And that we probably need to ask for forgiveness from people in this room. Yeah. And maybe right now, like there are people that are coming to your mind that a list God's forming of people that literally um, have held you captive to things, painful paths, um, yeah. something that you've done maybe. Um, and maybe today the response for you is making a phone call and asking for forgiveness. Um, 
or extending. People have been waiting to hear from you, I forgive you. And maybe that could be a response. I think that's powerful. I think that that thing on forgiveness really struck a chord in me. Um, So I just want to throw that out there. And if that's for me, great. But I think that is for a lot of us. What does that look like to physically or to tangibly take the word that's being spoken to us through Ephesians 2,000 years ago by a guy named Paul and apply it to um, a, a text message? Maybe right now, get your phone out and just text somebody and say, hey, can we talk later today? What if that was your response? Just throwing that out there. The key thing to remember is forgiveness cannot be about manipulation. It cannot be about getting them to change their behavior. It's about releasing them. So you may, before you send the text message, you may need to sit deeply with whether you're willing to let this go. Because otherwise, you're going to come up to somebody and say, I forgive you. I do. Do, do, do you see what happens there? Now all of a sudden, I love that, the, the, yeah. the gloves are out. We're ready to go. You, For you what? <laughs> it's about releasing. Yeah. It's it's yeah. about. But I, but I think Darren's. My sense is this is what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. This morning, that's good. Yeah. Cool. This is what He's saying to us. We've sure. got to release. We've got to release. We mm-hmm. need to be free to live it at liberty in relationship. This is the critical component. So can we close? So, so here's some thoughts as I think about this text. What Paul's doing, to, he's saying that we're a new creation. So um, we have to live in this whole new reality, this new realm that exists because we're in Christ. So, so it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when you go as a missionary to, let's say, India. I've been to India three times. When you study for India, you're studying cultural practices. You're studying um, the the unique differences that that country represents. In India, you don't eat certain parts of the country. You eat with your hands in one particular hand because your right hand's used for food and your left hand's used for other things. And it can be really offensive to use your left hand. You uh, you learn that in that culture, for them to say no to you, like, hey, do you know where the supermarket is? It would be really offensive if they didn't know where it was. And so they might, they might make up a lie, literally a lie, and tell you it's over here, and it's not over there because it's part of their culture. That's partly true, in case you wanted to know. So, and, and this means yes and no, and your, your head nods become different, your dress becomes different, the way you eat becomes different, the way you talk, the way you understand, the way you interact. All of this is a new context, and as missionaries, we enter into this new place to, to not try to change that, but to, to learn about it and stuff like that. So in many ways, Paul's saying you are now missionaries to the world, and you have a whole new realm, a whole new way of eating, a whole new way of talking, a whole new way of living and thinking and, and processing, a whole new way of living together. You need to learn how to do this through the power of the Holy Spirit, by taking off the old destructive behavior. By having your mind renewed and by putting on this new behavior that looks an awful like, awful lot like Jesus Christ. And that's what we're inviting you into. That's what this text is inviting into us, or inviting us into. And then we, we display these behaviors that become part of who we are naturally yeah. over time. Cool? Yeah. You want to add anything? Nope. Okay. Let's, let's see this. Worship team, come on. Let's pray. Uh, let me lead us in a time of prayer and we'll, we'll continue our response time. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.